Bethany, come on. Is God good this morning? I tell you what, God is so good. We had our team huddle upstairs. And can I tell you something? God is good today. He was good yesterday. Can I tell you something? He's going to be good tomorrow. Amen? We serve a good God. I'm so glad you're here this morning. If you're online this morning, thanks for tuning in. Um, last week, my mom told me, uh, we moved. We live in Adrian now. We finally... Yeah. We put all of our stuff in a storage unit, and we're staying at my mom's place. And I tell you what, I worked my mom and her husband, Daryl, to the bone. They were working, carrying stuff, and it was so hot. Like, the ladies were, like, sweating. I mean, they weren't glowing. They were sweating. You know what I'm talking about? Dripping with sweat. And I worked them. And so last Sunday, my mom and Daryl actually stayed home, and they said they watched online. And they told me there are people from all over the world who are watching online. Isn't that awesome? That right here in Adrian, Michigan, we are actually literally reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so it's so exciting, so amazing. And uh, we welcome all you this morning. I'm excited for what God wants to do this morning through his word. Uh, can I just give another thank you to our worship team? Aren't they amazing? I love our team. I do. We have an amazing group of people, amazing talent. But what I love about our worship team is beyond the incredible talent, they have amazing hearts for worship. They really do. They want to honor and love God and bring people to a place of God's presence. And I, I thank Pastor Megan and Pastor Mark. And those that, they came last Sunday. And uh, we kind of we kind of co-worship last Sunday. And then I said, you're on your own next week. And uh, we kind of said, here you go. Try it by fire, right? And, and uh, they did an amazing job. And I want to say this, church. Um, the last month, we've kind of been announcing Pastor Mark and Megan's onboarding to our church, and I've been really excited, but I'm going to be honest, I was also a little nervous, right? You have new transitions, and, and how's this going to work, and we're worshiping together, and I, I will say this, just in the short time I've gotten to know Pastor Mark and Pastor Megan, and hearing their hearts, listen, they, they don't have a heart to perform, they don't have a heart to put on a show, their heart is to genuinely love people and lead people through Christ through worship, amen? And so we are blessed to have them on our team. And I'm excited what God's going to do. And uh, so thank you, Pastor Megan and Pastor Mark. And uh, it's going to be ama- excuse me, amazing this morning. Uh, I want to give a special thanks to Pastor Brian this morning. Uh, uh, how many of you guys are thankful for our pastor? Amen. Uh, pastor Brian and his family are not here this morning. Uh, matter of fact, I don't know exactly where they are. Don't freak out. They're, they're, they're not missing. They're not kidnapped. They are on vacation somewhere on the other side of the world. Um, it's been kind of fun watching them. They've been sending pictures. Um, the other day they sent a picture, and Pastor Brian and Kosh are doing kind of a selfie, and they're in Paris, and the Eiffel Tower's in the background. It's all lit up. It was super cool. And then the next picture that came through is like some kind of mountain or something. And like, hey, we're in Greece. And so I don't know where they are. I told them it's like Carmen San Diego. You guys remember that? Where in the world is Pastor Brian? He's over there somewhere. And so, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that their family could go out and have this vacation together. And what a great time. Uh, their daughter, Jordan, she has been faithfully serving us here at the church this summer, filling in as our kids' pastor. And she has done an amazing job in our kids' ministry. 
And uh, we are blessed to have her, but soon when she gets back, she'll be, she'll be getting on a plane, heading back to Florida, and uh, be back there for college. There's son, the oldest son, Gabe, he just graduated from high school, and so he'll be going to college as well. And so pretty soon, Pastor Brian and Kasha will be empty nesters. They got Josiah, and uh, he's probably enough for a couple years to keep them going. And, uh, but what, what a great time. Isn't that, isn't that a great time to travel the world? I mean, go with your kids and enjoy that. So I'm so glad they had that opportunity to do that. And I just wanted to extend a, a personal thank you. I know, again, I know Pastor Brian's not here. Maybe he's watching online somewhere. But I wanted to extend a personal thank you to, to Pastor Brian. Um, should I switch to a handhold? I can if we need to. Let me know. But uh, I wanted to extend a, a personal thank you to Pastor Brian. Um, over the past six months, I've officially been on staff. And um, I've had the opportunity to get to know Brian Pastor Brian a little more personally, and, and I, I'll say this about our pastor, I appreciate his incredible heart and his love for the Lord and his incredible love for people. Um, one thing that really stands out to me about Pastor Brian is the dependency on the Lord and the Holy Spirit. You would think that's a given, but man, he spends time in, in God's presence and, and, and the Holy Spirit and leading our church, and so I'm so appreciative of that, and his leading by that, by example, and and over the short few months together, I, I've really appreciated Brian, not only as my pastor, but as my friend. And so, Pastor Brian, I love you. I appreciate you this morning. And I'm thankful this morning that you allowed me to speak in church. Uh, I was, a, I was a, a pastor in Marshall before we came here to Bethany. And I will say this, maybe not all pastors, but it can be a little scary when you let somebody speak from your, from your pulpit. You never know what they're going to say. You don't know what they're going to do. But I thank Pastor Brian for entrusting me this morning with, with this service. And um, he asked me to speak before. It was a few months ago. Pastor Brian had asked me to speak. And it was kind of like on a Thursday night. And he was like, hey, or maybe it was a Saturday. He said, hey, how do you feel about speaking next weekend? And I was like, Phew. in my head, I'll say, no, absolutely not. But I was like, I guess I could if you really want me to. And he took that as a yes. And so I spoke. And I remember that Sunday, that Sunday, I remember I was, I was so terrified. I was so nervous. I mean, my stomach was turning. I felt faint. And I was so nervous. But I came and I spoke and, and I made it through it. I'm still here today. And so, but I want to tell you this morning, I'm still terrified. I'm still nervous. My gut is still torn up. But it's healthy. I told somebody this morning, it's a healthy balance. I'm being humble before the Lord. God, it's not my word, it's your word. And so that's my prayer. So before we jump in this morning, can we pray together? Lord, I thank you that you are good. Lord, I thank you for your incredible presence in this place. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray this morning, despite my lack, Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Lord, I pray for your word this morning that's alive and active. Lord, the your word that does not be returned void, but Lord, it changes lives. Lord, I pray this morning as we get into your word, the lives will be changed. Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do. Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. In your name, amen. amen. Sorry about that. I realize I have three waters up there. Like, what's wrong with that guy? I get thirsty. <laughs> but the past four weeks, if you've been with us, we've been in a, a series called For Pete's Sake. And I love that title. It's just fun to say. How many of you guys ever have said that or heard that phrase? For Pete's sake. And so we've been in this series going through 1 Peter. Week 1, Amanda gave us the word, and she talked about being different. 1 Peter chapter 1, she did an amazing job. And here's a couple key takeaways from that. She said to be different, you have to think different. 
to be different, you have to think different. You have to recognize and understand that you are valuable to God. And it was a great message. I want to encourage you, um, if you missed it, maybe you just need a refresher, go back and check those out. They're online. You can check those out. You have the church app. You can see all the media on the church app. If you've not downloaded the church app, I would suggest that you do that. It's a great tool and it's developing all the time. So, but man, it gives that first week. Second week, Pastor Brian had a message called Live Free. And we talked about 1 Peter chapter 2. And Brian, Pastor Brian said, we are no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for the Lord. And submitting to God is how we, full, how we truly have freedom. Sometimes in our minds we think submitting is not freedom, but when we submit to the Lord, that's how we truly have freedom in our lives. It was a great message. Then week three, Pastor Brian had a message called Be One. We were in 1 Peter chapter 3, and he had an illustration. If you missed it, he had an illustration here on the table, and he asked volunteer, and my, sis, my, my sister, my daughter Ava volunteered, and so she came on the stage, and she was building the Lego set. How many of you guys remember that? She was building the Lego set, and as she was doing that, he tempted her with energy drinks. Now listen, we're not health nuts. We don't, you know, drink like flaxseed oil and like that. But we are relatively healthy, healthy people in our house. We, we drink water. We don't drink pop. And we try to be healthy with our kids. And so here was my daughter sitting here being tempted with this high energy drink. And I can just see it in her eyes. I can feel her glancing over to my wife. And I'm like, can I do this? My mom and dad are right here. And so she gave into the peer pressure. Next thing I know, she's gulping energy drinks. And now she's addicted. Thank you, Pastor Brian. You will be getting all my dental bills, you know. <laughs> and so after that, my daughter and I had a long talk about peer pressure. and reason. No, we didn't. No. <laughs> but uh, he was talking about how we live by the instructions. And when we do that, we can build amazing things when we follow the instructions. And that we need the mind of Christ. And so last week, Pastor Brian had uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. He's talking about sharing our gifts. And he's talking about we need to think like Jesus. We need to be generous like Jesus. And here's the illustration of the, of the goldfish crackers. How many of you guys grew up in church? When I saw this come out, I'm like, boom, Sunday school, goldfish crackers. And I'm going to be honest, after service, I ate a couple cups of them myself. <laughs> after I sweep up the ones that he threw on the floor. But uh, somebody said, don't eat those. I'm like, it's fine. God made dirt and dirt. Don't hurt. That's right. So, <laughs> but it was a great message about sharing our gifts. And so today is week five. Uh, for Pete's sake, week five, we're in 1 Peter chapter 5. But I got to tell you this morning, we are not going there this morning. I know, so you guys are like, what's going on? Like, we are not going to 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, originally, Pastor Bryce was going to be speaking this morning, and uh, he was going to be doing this message. And then next week, I was going to speak and kind of do an in-between message. And then when Pastor Brian returned, he was going to get us in the second Peter but then last minute, Pastor Bryce said, hey, Pastor, would you, would you switch dates on me? And I said, yes. Uh, I was like, it's going to be a big week. I got a lot of moving to do. I know I'm going to be tired, but sure, Pastor Bryce, I'll do that for you because I love you. So this morning, if that messes you up, like, man, you're messing up the whole series. You're messing up the order. You can talk to Pastor Bryce about that. And it's kind of not fun to throw him at the bus because he's not here this morning. He's with his beautiful wife celebrating their anniversary. And so we, we celebrate with them. I'll say this, though. I love Pastor Bryce. I really do. Um, I don't know if it's because we're both from youth. I was a youth pastor. And, and I, I always tell Pastor Bryce, like, Pastor Bryce, you are the, like, really cool young version of myself. <laughs> that makes me feel really good. I'm not sure how he feels about that. <laughs> but it makes me feel good. And, and I love his heart. Can I tell you something? If you have a student and they're not in youth ministry, get them here. 
I'm so glad my kids are now able to come to youth service and life change is happening. Pastor Bryce and his team are amazing. So if they're not in student ministry, get them here Wednesday nights and, um, and God will change your life. I guarantee you. Amen? Amen. So today we're not going to talk about First Peter, but we are going to talk about Peter this morning. And from what, I, from what I read and what I know about Peter, Peter, I would say, is my favorite disciple. You know, most of us say, you know, we can have like Peter, John, and, and like Matthew maybe, and like some other guys. Like, like, you know, we know, we know, we know Peter is one of the disciples. But I think he's my favorite because we have a similar personality. Peter is, is quick to respond. Uh, he's an all-in kind of a guy. And he's kind of impulsive. If you read the story of Peter, he's kind of impulsive. And, and I think I'm kind of like that. Is anybody else like that this morning? You're kind of impulsive. Like you just kind of make decisions and you go for it and you're all-in. I got an example, a story real quick I'll share with you. It was two weeks ago, I think. Um, I was up in my office, and, and it was about 6.30. We're wrapping up. Most, people, the, most of the staff had left, and Pastor Brian had come into my office, and we were just chit-chatting for a while. And then next thing you know, Pastor Bryce kind of came in, and we're all kind of hanging out. And, and we're realizing it's 6.30, and Pastor Brian asked me, he said, hey, are you an agent today? Are you going back to Battle Creek? And I said, no, I'm an agent. He goes, let's go out for dinner. He's like, Kasha's gone. She's in Florida, and I don't got nothing to go to. I don't got no food to eat. Let's go have dinner. I said, absolutely, let's go. And so Pastor Bryce was there. He's like, Pastor Bryce, what are you doing tonight? Are you available? And so Pastor Bryce kind of walks out of the room, like, nonchalantly. And I knew what he was doing. He's like, hey, Anna, can I go with the guys? You know? And <laughs> She was gone. She was, I think she was doing some, some study, and she's doing her master's degree, and she's been really busy with some other things. And so he was ready to go. And so we took off. We get out of the office. And next thing you know, I'm walking out of the office, and there was a cornhole, the beanbag toss, set up. And I hear this thunk, thunk. I walk out there, and Pastor Bryce and Pastor Brian are in competition. They're going at it. They're, they're playing cornhole. And, and Pastor Bryce like, Pastor, you take winner. And so they go through, and and I'll say Pastor Brian beat Pastor Bryce. And Pastor Bryce is real competitive. I could tell it bothered him a little bit. And so, so next thing you know, he beats Pastor Bryce. And then me and Pastor Brian are going at it. And for whatever reason, I'm just nailing it. We're, but it was, it was competitive. I mean, it was kind of fun. Then to get kind of serious. And at the last minute, I choked and Pastor Brian beat me. So we got done with playing cornhole. And so Pastor, we're like, Pastor Bryce like, let's go play basketball. And if you don't know Pastor Bryce, he loves to hoop it up. My mom lives by bowl and pull, and, and so Pastor Bryce is out there all the time playing basketball. So I think he kind of felt like he was going to boost his ego a little bit. Like, we'll play basketball, and I'll show these old guys. And so we played a game of pig. And so we go up there into the youth area, and we, we play pig, and we're going, we're going through. And Pastor, Bri Pastor Bryce is not making any shots. <laughs> and he's trying to do all these fancy, like, hook shots, you know, and he's calling it out and missing them. And so I finally got, like, me to the hoop. I mean, I'm, like, right there in these simple little short shots. Next thing you know, Pastor Bryce has a P. He has an I. Pastor Brian was already out. And I almost beat Pastor Bryce, and I choked the last minute. And I think it was a good thing, because you could tell he was sweating. He was like, what is going on? I'm usually on my A game. And he, was, he was so upset with himself. And, and it was the funniest thing. Pastor Bryce said, Pastor Eric, I'm so glad you let Pastor Bryce win tonight. And that was just eating at him. Like, did you let me win? I said, no, you won fair and square. But then we go out. We go out to eat dinner, and we're sitting there, and we're hanging out. And it's about 9.30, and I realized two important things I forgot to do that day. See, what I didn't tell you was after, after the office that day, I was going to fix my car. My brakes went out in my car for a week. So I was driving with, like, just only my front brakes, and, and the fluid all been drained out. So, like, those brakes were just, you put the pedal down, it was just squishiness, and you just prayed that like, Jesus help me slow down. Like, Jesus take the wheel, but Jesus take the rotors and stop my car, right? <laughs> and so... 
So like, I forgot all about it. I was like, I was supposed to fix my car today. And so I abandoned all things. Like Peter, I'm like, I'm just going to go. Pastor Brian said, let's have dinner. Let's go play cornhole. Let's play basketball. Let's go out to eat. And I forgot all about my car. And then the second thing dawned on me. Earlier that day, I dropped my son off to football camp. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there, I'm realizing like, my son is at the Penny's house. He was at Casey and Brian Penny's house. And I told them that I was going to pick him up after I left the office. And now it's 930. And so I sent a text out. I'm like, hey, Casey, like, how's it going? And I was like, is Judah still there? And she's like, yeah, he's still here. I'm like, hey, I'm sorry. I got caught up with some things. And, and I said, can I come? I'll come pick him up. And she's like, don't worry about it. He can just spend the night. But now the truth is out. I was hanging out with Pastor Brian. All that to say this, I'm impulsive, and I believe that Peter's impulsive, and he's my favorite. So then he's moving on. It's just a funny story, but I can be that way. But this morning, my message is titled, if you're taking notes, my message is titled, Defining Moments. Defining Moments. Am I reaching back for it? Let's move this bad boy over here. Defining Moments. See, in life, we have all kinds of experiences. And I believe through those experiences, we learn, we grow, we develop. And this happens daily. Uh, here at the church, I, me and Pastor Megan co-worship, and, and we're doing that together. But I also do facilities and the maintenance of the church. And, and so I am constantly learning new things as I work at the church. When I'm around Pastor Ron or John Morton or Dick Treat or John Wiedmeyer, right, or Al Huff, I'm with these guys who've been around for a while, and they know a lot of things, and so when I'm around them, I'm constantly learning new things or new ways of doing things, and I believe in life as we go through things, we're constantly learning, we're growing, developing, we're always doing something new, but there's, there's moments in my life that after they occurred, things changed, and things would never be the same again, so I thought about some of those moments in my life, and these first ones aren't really moments, they're just things that happened in life as I, as I grew up. And the first one is this. I remember when the internet came. I remember when the internet came. And yes, I am older than the internet. Some, some of your kids are like, there was never internet? Yeah, there was a time there was no internet. I promise you. But how many of you guys remember when the internet came? I remember I was in fifth grade, and I actually grew up in Adrian, Michigan, and I was in fifth grade, and so uh, before school ended, they took us over to the middle school so we can kind of walk around and see the classes and meet the teachers. And so I went to Springbrook. How many Spartans are out there? Yeah, 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 Springbrook Spartans. And I was at Springbrook, and I remember getting to the computer lab. And the computer teachers, he brings us over to the, to the window, and he opens the window, and there's a trench from the middle school to the high school. And he says, you guys see what that is? We're like, a dirt line? He's like, that's the Internet. I was like, it's a line of dirt. He's like, this is going to change the world and how we do everything. And he, got, he started getting all geeked out and excited. He wasn't wrong, was he? How many of you guys remember the first internet dial-up? Right? You'd you log in, the modem, like, right? It'd take you like a minute to connect, and, and then you'd go on a web page, and it'd be like this. You, you kids don't know about it, man. It was rough back then. Those, those are my up the hill five miles in the snow stories. You know what I'm talking about? I remember the internet. It changed everything. How many of you guys remember when cell phones first came a thing? Yeah, believe it or not, we didn't have cell phones either. 
Before cell phones, though, it was pagers. And if you don't know what a pager is, let me explain real quick. A pager is, is like a cell phone, but it doesn't do anything, okay? <laughs> it was a big device, and you'd clip it onto your belt. And I was told this, now don't get upset if you had a pager, but I was told this, that only two people had pagers. Doctors and drug dealers. That's what I was told. And since I was neither, I never had a pager. And here's how a pager worked for you young people. You would get kind of like a message. I don't know if it's like a code, like 6126, and you knew, oh, I got to call Mary or whatever it was, right? And then you'd have to walk over to a payphone and actually call somebody. That's all it did. It, it let you know what kind of what was going on. But eventually we had cell phones. And uh, I remember my first cell phone, it was a flip phone. And I thought it was so cool. And I remember the early cell phones, you'd have to get just in the right spot to the reception, right? You, you kind of go outside and you kind of, <laughs> you know, like your body became an antenna. And, and if you'd lose it and you'd drop the phone call. How many of you guys remember this? Nights and weekends. You had to wait to 7 o'clock at night to make a phone call because you only had so many minutes. There was no unlimited plans back then. They're like, dude, I got 100 minutes. And I got 20 texts or whatever it was. And, and then nights and weekends, you could go to like, you know, it's 6 o'clock or whatever it was. And it was rough back then. But those moments changed some things. And those are just examples of some things that change our lives. But there are moments in my life that change my life forever and define who I am. As, as a kid, I remember working with my dad. Um, my dad was a maintenance man by trade. And so constantly just fixing things. And um, I remember as a kid, uh, we were the kind of family, my dad wouldn't call somebody else to fix something. He was like, I'm a maintenance guy, I can fix it myself, right? How many men are out there, right? We can fix it ourselves. And so I grew up that way. My dad fixed things. He kind of a, a jack of all trades. And, and being the oldest son, I constantly was in the garage. You know, when my dad needed help holding the flashlight, Eric, come in the garage. You know, you hold the flashlight or, or you get the tool or you hold the thing. But I was with my dad all those times. And, and in that, something was developed within me. I was learning all these skills and these different things. And, and those were defining moments in my life. And even today in the church that I do maintenance and all these things that I do, a lot of those things came from the experience that I had with my dad. They helped define who I am. Getting married. How many of you guys are married this morning? Come on, where you at? Don't be ashamed of it. Married people this morning. How many of you guys know that getting married is a defining moment? It changes everything, right? Marriage is one of those things you never fully understand until you're married. I was going to say until it's too late, but that wasn't. <laughs> no, we're not going there. <laughs> but it's one of those things you never fully understand. It's kind of like people ask me about tattoos. Like, what's that tattoo feel like? I, I can't really explain it. You have to just go get one. But don't, I'm not telling you to go get tattoos, but right? But marriage is one of those things you never understand until you're married. And as a youth pastor, I used to tell our students this, that, that marriage is the second greatest decision you will ever make in your life. The first greatest decision will be to follow Christ. Because that's eternal. But your marriage will be the second biggest decision you will ever make because that's a lifetime. Or at least it should be. Right? It's a huge decision. It will change your life. It will define your life. See, we get married and we think we understand. We think we know the other person. We're all in love. Can I tell you something? Love can be blind. I don't know if my, my wife envisioned this 19 years ago. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sorry, babe. You know what's crazy? My family's not even here this morning. My wife, my daughter, and my son are all serving downstairs in kids' church. But I tell you what, I'm super excited. I'm so glad that my family's here and able to serve this morning. And uh, so I can say some things because she's not here. 
I won't, I won't. But right, you get married, you think you understand somebody, and you have two people who lived two separate lives, and then they come together, and then you learn some things, don't you? You learn some things real quick. You get married, you move in together, and there's things that you didn't know, there's things that you didn't expect, there's smells that you never smelled before you were married, you know what I'm saying? And you're like, wow, this is different, right? And so you learn each other. But through all of that, you learn how to truly love each other. You, you begin to work things out. You work through the hard times. You face challenges together. You make life decisions that not only affect you anymore, but they also affect your spouse. And then marriage defines and changes who you are. And then eventually, you might have kids. And I'll tell you what, just when you think you figured out marriage, you decide to bring another person into the mix. And so... Or at least you didn't do things to prevent it. And we'll leave it there, PG, all right? And so you have kids, and, and the kids change everything. I was thinking about Landon this morning. They had the little baby girl, Isla, and I love going and seeing her, her bright blue, flirty, sparkly eyes, and she's so sweet. But kids change everything. And I remember my wife was pregnant with our first child, my daughter, Ava. And I remember the first time I heard that heartbeat. You know what I'm talking about? It, it, it was real. I knew that she was pregnant. But when I heard that heartbeat, right? You hear the ultrasound, you're like, I remember hearing that and thinking like, this is for real. Like, there's a baby in there. I can't see it, but I heard that, you know what I'm talking about? And it dawned on me like, I'm a dad. This is going to change my life. This is going to change everything. And, and, and I was overwhelmed with all these thoughts and emotions. I had these thoughts like, I have to raise this child. I have to teach this child. I have to protect this child. And let me give a public service announcement real quick about that child, my daughter especially. Um, for anybody in this section over here, any students, my daughter is not dating, okay? So just don't even bother with it, all right? Just move on, all right? Sheesh, right? I'm, I'm serious though. Stay away from my daughter. Dad, you know what I'm talking about. I got to protect my baby girl, right? Did you put your grubby paws on my daughter anyways? <laughs> but having kids is a defining moment, isn't it? It changes everything, right? You, 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 you never experience love until you have a kid. And you're like, man, I thought, I, I, man, I love my wife. And I love, but there's something about when you have a child and that love, and there's so much joy, and there's so much pride, and at times there's doubt. At times there's worry. And there's times you want to hug them, and there's times you want to hurt them. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but they change things. And I could go on and on, but this morning... I want to talk about what I believe are some defining moments in the life of Peter. So let's jump in this morning. The first one is this. Jesus calls Peter. We're going to be in Luke 5. I'm not going to read the whole text because, quite frankly, when I read out loud, it's terrible. I have a hard time reading. And after I hear my voice for 30 seconds, I'm like, I'm, I'm just zoned out of my own self. So anyways, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit and tell you the story. You can read the whole story. But we'll be in Luke 5 if you want to go to this morning. It says this, that Jesus was preaching on the shore by the Sea of Galilee. And it says, a, a, a crowd begins to gather, like often it does when Jesus was speaking. It says, a crowd gathers, and so Jesus is on the shore, and he, he sees two boats that are sitting there empty because the fishermen have been done fishing for the day, and it says they're out cleaning their nets. It says, Jesus stepped onto one of the boats, and the boat belonged to Simon. Now, let me give you some information here. Simon is Peter, right? He has a name change later on, but when we talk about Simon, we are talking about Peter. It's the same dude, right? So he gets in the boat, and he's like, hey, uh, can we go out a little bit? So Simon takes him out in the water a little bit, and Jesus begins to preach to the people and teach the people from the boat. 
It says, after Jesus gets on teaching the people, he tells Simon, he says, Simon, let's go a little deeper now. Let's go out a little further and let's cast the nets. And Peter replies this way. He says, Jesus, you know, uh, we've been fishing all night. We've been fishing all night and, and we didn't catch anything. And he says, but Jesus, if you tell me to cast the nets, I'll, I'll cast the nets. And here's what happens. He says, they cast the nets and says, there are so many fish in the net that the net begins to break and tear. And so they're casting this net and there's so many fish. There's such an abundance of fish that they're pulling this net up. And Peter says, hey guys, come on, come on, come on, help me out, help me out. And says, the other boats come and as they begin to fill the boats with fish, there's so many fish that the boats begin to sink. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's a miracle. And then we pick up the story in verse 8. It says this. When Simon Peter realized what happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And it says, As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. It's an amazing experience. It's, a, it's an amazing moment in Peter's life, this miracle provision. Can you imagine that? They fished all night, nothing happens, and then they cast their nets, and this abundance of fish, probably they've never even seen before. It was an amazing miracle provision. It was definitely what I would call a defining moment, something that you would never forget. But I want to tell you something this morning. The defining moment wasn't in the miracle. The defining moment wasn't in the miracle. Actually, the defining moment was when Peter decided to be obedient to Jesus. That's when the defining moment happened. The miracle was the result of the obedience, but the defining moment is when he decided to follow Jesus. Let me ask you this. Think about what would happen if Peter decided not to cast the nets. What if the story read like this? Peter could resist and say, Jesus, listen, I can go out deeper, Jesus, but I'm exhausted. Jesus, we've been doing this all night. There's no fish. We've already done this. And Jesus, we've been fishing. There's nothing there. And we've already even cleaned the nets, Jesus. We were wrapping it up. We were done for the day. And Jesus, I appreciate your your enthusiasm. But Jesus, I've been doing this my whole life. I'm a professional. And I'm telling you, there's no fish today. What if the story would have read that way? Been holding the story. How many guys think that would have been foolish? or at least a missed opportunity. And that sounds crazy, but we do that sometimes, don't we, in our own lives. We don't take time to listen and follow the direction of the Lord. We do what we want to do. We think that we know better. We give all the excuses when the Lord's speaking to us. But when the Lord speaks to us, we have a choice to make. And we find ourselves at that defining moment. Am I going to listen to the Lord, or am I going to do my own thing? I believe if Peter would not have listened to Jesus, two things would have happened. The first one is this. He would have missed the miracle provision. All that fish, all those things. He would have missed that miracle. And the second thing I believe would have happened is he would have missed the call to be a disciple of Jesus. I can't say for sure that Jesus was testing him, but in that obedience, when they get back, he says, listen, you're obedient, now you're going to fish for men. It was a defining moment that was forever going to change Peter's life. Listen, defining moments happen when we listen and respond to the voice of the Lord. Amen? 
Second thing this morning, Peter walks on water. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Again, I'll paraphrase this first part. Matthew chapter 14. Jesus just performed the miracle of feeding the 5,000. The Bible says it was actually 5,000 men, but that wasn't counting the women and the children. So it was 5,000 plus that Jesus had fed. You remember the story? They break it and they feed them. It's, it's an amazing story. But after that gets done, Jesus instructs the disciples. He says, you know what, guys? We're done here. How about you guys get on the boat, head across the lake. I'll catch up with you guys, and I'll dismiss the people. And so it says the disciples got on the boat, and they headed to the other side of the lake. And so Jesus stays, and he kind of dismisses the people. And after the people have gone, it says Jesus went up on the hill by himself to pray. So Jesus is on the hill, and he's praying, and, and some time had passed. But during that time, it says, as the disciples were on the lake and on the boat, it said this, this incredible wind comes on the lake, and it says the waves are crashing against the boat, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus goes out to the disciples, and it says he walks on the water. And uh, as he's walking towards them in the water, they were terrified. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, you're out there, you're already freaking out, the waves are going, the boat's rocking, and you see this person walking on water towards you. It says they, they were terrified, they even thought that Jesus was a ghost. Let me pick up the story in verse 27, Matthew 14, verse 27. But Jesus spoke to him at once, don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed them. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Now, some people, when they read this passage, they tend to focus on, on Peter's doubt, right? It's easy to say, yeah, it's really cool, but look at He failed. Look at his doubt. <clears throat> For whatever reason, I'm not sure why, but we as people, we tend to gravitate towards negative, don't we? I mean, think about why we have news, I mean, news, if you turn the news on, it's pretty much doom and gloom all the time. I mean, once in a while, you have a little feel-good story, and they go back to doom and gloom. We have this thing in our lives where we seem to gravitate towards the negative. But think about what we just read. Peter walked on water. Forget what happened. He walked on water. It's amazing. Talking about a defining moment. That would be Facebook. That would be Instagram-worthy. You know what I'm saying? And I had to throw Instagram in there because my, my kids tell me all the time, Dad, Facebook is for old people. I said, I am going to be an old person. And so I had to throw Instagram. But that would be worthy. There's things that like, I don't get on Facebook very often. I'll scroll through and I'm like, people spend hours doing this? Like, like I don't care what you ate for dinner. You know, but whatever. Right? If that's your thing, listen, that's your thing. That's your thing, right? Don't get upset, right? But walking on water. Now, that would have been something like, whoa, Peter walked on water. Like, that would have been, been Facebook worthy, right? Incredible moment. I want to tell you this this morning. Defining moments happen when we step out in faith. First, defining moments happen when we respond to God's voice and God's call. Second thing is, defining moments happen when we step out in faith. Peter stepped out of the boat with faith. Now, now faith is an interesting thing. And throughout the New Testament, we read a lot, we read, excuse me, we read a lot about faith. Jesus performed many healings. And miracles, and as you read those, there's always an element of faith somewhere attached to it. And I've heard many teachings on faith. 
We talk about things like what is faith, whose faith, how much faith. And I think sometimes we overthink it. Sometimes we try to formulate it, right? We try to figure it all out. And I want to tell you this morning, we all have faith. We all have faith. We practice faith all the time. Romans 12.3 says this, Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Listen, we all have a measure of faith. We all have a measure of faith. In Matthew 17, there's a story. Jesus had sent the disciples out to go heal and minister to people, and they run across this boy who's demon-possessed. And it says, they try to cast out the demon, they try and they try and they try, and nothing's happened. So they finally bring the boy to Jesus, and, and then Jesus cast the demon out. And the disciples say, Jesus, how come we couldn't do this? How come we couldn't do that? And he tells them, because he had little faith. Then he goes on to tell them that they had faith the size of a mustard seed. Have you guys ever seen a mustard seed? We talk about it in church, but I've, I physically held the mustard seed. I mean, it's tiny. And he said, you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move the mountains. But, he, but here's the problem I think we have sometimes. We, we seem to focus on the size of our faith. Can I tell you something? A mustard seed not planted won't produce anything. Hear me this morning. We seem to focus on the size of our faith, but a mustard seed that's not planted will produce nothing. Faith without action is dead. James says it in 2.17. James 2.17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Faith without action is dead. Listen, don't, don't get distracted with the size of your faith, but focus on planting your faith. Putting your faith in Jesus. Let him produce. Because let me tell you something. You can't do it anyways. I don't care how much faith you have in yourself. It won't do anything. We have to put our faith in Jesus. Defining moments happen when we step out into faith. You have to get out of the boat. Can I encourage you this morning? Pray for that coworker. Believe for that miracle. Get involved in ministry. Whatever it is, step out. Defining moments happen when we step out in faith. Amen? Third one is this, Peter denies Jesus, Matthew 26. Again, I'll tell you this, some backstory. Jesus is what we know is the Last Supper. It's been painted many times, and those paintings always make me so upset, I'm going to be honest. So me guys see, man, those are beautiful. Like, those, are, those, those aren't dudes, man. Those are like girly-looking men. You know, they're all pretty. I'm like, these are like burly guys. These are fishermen. Anyways, I'll, I'll digress. Right? They're having the Last Supper. Jesus is with the disciples, and they're having the Passover meal. That's what they're actually doing. And Jesus announces during that, that dinner time, during that meal, that, that one of his disciples will betray him. We know it's Judas, and Judas is going to betray him. But this is also the time when, when Jesus demonstrates and gives the command to take communion, which I apologize we missed last week, but we will have communion next month, I promise. But he gives us a command, remember? He says, take this body, it's broken for you. And he says, take this cup, this juice represents my blood, right? And they have communion. And after that meal, they go out to pray. And as they're walking out to the mountain to go pray in the garden, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, listen, you guys are all going to desert me. So here we go, verse 33, Matthew 26, 33. But Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I would never desert you. 
Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you ever even knew me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Shortly after that, they go to pray, and there's more interaction there. Jesus is praying, they fall asleep. Jesus is praying, they fall asleep. And eventually, Judas comes, the betrayer. He comes and greets Jesus with a kiss. That was the sign that that, that was Jesus. And says the high priest and the guards, they come, they take Jesus, and, and they bring Jesus to the, to the high priest, and they begin to make these false accusations against Jesus. They accuse Jesus of blasphemy. It says after that, you know, the priest tears his garment. You're like, this can't be. You've heard it from his own mouth. The blasphemy of his mother. He, is, he say that he is the son of God. And they begin to slap Jesus. And they begin to punch Jesus. And they begin to beat Jesus. And while this is happening, Peter's in the outside courtyard. And as Peter's outside, it says, a girl approaches Peter. And she says, listen, you're one of the disciples. You're one of them. And out of fear, Peter says, no, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him. Some time passes on, and Peter's still there, probably wondering what's going to happen to Jesus and watching from the outside. Another person comes to Peter and says, no, look at this man. He's a Galilean. He's one of his followers. And Jesus says, listen, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the guy. Twice denies him. Happens one more time. Somebody approaches Peter and says, surely he's one of them. He curses them. He says, I don't know the man. And it says that third time, as soon as he denies Christ, it says the rooster crows. And actually in one of the translations, one of the gospels says, he looks and he sees, he makes eye contact with Jesus Christ. And remember what Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And with that time, the guilt, the shame, says Peter, he leaves, he runs away, and he's weeping bitterly for he denied Jesus just like he said he would. You might be asking yourself this morning, but man, Pastor Rick, those, those first two defining moments were pretty happy. They were good, and now you give us the doom and gloom. What's up with that, right? That's not, that's not a good part of Peter's life. Listen, that's the moment you don't want popping up on your Facebook memories. You know what I'm saying? I love when I do get on Facebook. I will say this. When I have a memory pop up and I see my kids like, oh, they're so cute and they're so little. That's not a memory you want to recall. That, that wasn't something that Peter wanted to say, oh, yeah, that was that time, Right? Peter denied Jesus three times. He, he failed. He messed up. And it seemed like a defining moment of failure in his life. Let me ask you this. How many of you guys have been there before? I, I've, been, I've been in church my whole life. I can't remember a day of my life not being in church. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, trust me. But there have been plenty of times in my life where I've been there. Where I've tried to do the right thing and I messed up and I do the wrong thing. When I try to remove the sin in my life, only to re return to it. There's been times where I made promises with God where I just ended up breaking it. In this cycle of messing up things in my life. And if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about this morning. And you find yourself in this, what I call a yo-yo lifestyle. One minute you're up and things are great, and next thing you know you're down. And you're up and you're down, you're up and you're down, you're up and you're down. And you're like, man, I keep messing this thing up. And here's what happens. The enemy tries to define you by your failures. He's good at it. You'll never change. You'll do it again. You're not who you think you are, right? And he gets us in this cycle. The enemy tries to define you by your failures. But that's not what Jesus does. 
After this all happens, Jesus dies on the cross. Three days later, he's resurrected. It says Jesus appeared to many people. He appeared to disciples. And then we get to John 21, and I love this. John chapter 21 says, One day Jesus went to visit the disciples. The disciples, they were out fishing again. I mean, by trade, they, had, they did this. They eat, they had to survive. So they're out fishing. That's what they knew. And since they're out fishing, they weren't catching anything again, right? Maybe they weren't very good fishers. I don't know. Maybe, really, maybe they were really skinny guys. I don't know, right? They didn't catch anything. And from the shore, Jesus tells them, he says, cast your nets to the right side of the boat. But at that moment, they didn't realize it was Jesus. They just, some guy yelling from the shore, hey, cast your nets to the other side. It says, when they did this, the nets were full. And again, the nets are here and they're, they're breaking because there's so many fish. And at that moment, they realize it's Jesus. And then Peter pulls a Forrest Gump. Have you guys remember the movie Forrest Gump? I'm not sure that's a good reference. I'm not even sure it's a good Christian thing to talk about. But anyways, remember the, remember the movie Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump, he has a bubble gump shrimp business, you know what I'm talking about? And he has his boat, and he's the shrimp boat captain. And Lieutenant Dan comes out in the dock, and he's like, Lieutenant Dan waves at him, and Forrest Gump jumps off the boat. Remember talking about that scene? And he's swimming to Lieutenant Dan. He's so excited to see Lieutenant Dan, and the boat's in the background, breaking the docks. That's exactly what Peter does. Once he realizes this Jesus, the other guys are wrestling the fish in the boat, and Peter's like, jumps in the water. I got to be with Jesus. I got to see Jesus. He jumps in the water, swims towards Jesus. And here's a cool thing. Jesus had breakfast ready for him. It's like a men's breakfast. If you missed our last men's breakfast, it was amazing. And I think we should have men's breakfast every Saturday because it's, it's just so good. It was good. Yeah, thank you. It was good. You were there. But here we go. Verse 15. Here's what happens. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. That feed my lambs, Jesus told them. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. The third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And since Peter was hurt that Jesus asked a question for the third time, he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Three times, Jesus instructed Peter, take care of my people. I believe that Jesus was doing something in Peter's life. Remember, three times, Peter had denied Jesus. But that's not what was going to define Peter. See, here's the thing. He wasn't going to be defined by his failure because, see, Jesus was going to redefine Peter. When we have failures in our life, Jesus redefines us. He reinstates us. He, he, he restores us. So many, so many here this morning, you're here this morning and you think your addiction defines you. So many here this morning, you think it's your failure defines you. You think that your sin defines you. I want to tell you this this morning. Jesus is in the redefining business. He's in the redefining business. He makes old thing new. He, he changes beauty for ashes. He exchanges death for life. Amen? You don't have to live in the defining moments of defeat. Through Jesus Christ, you have the victory this morning. Come on, we sing about it. Your name. Your name is victory. Amen? We don't have to live in the defining moments of defeat. Jesus redefines us. First thing, Peter preaches. Finding moment in Peter's life. 
before Jesus returns to heaven, he gives this command to the disciples. He says, stay in the city. Stay in the city and wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascends to heaven. In Acts 2, we read about this. It says the believers, they were gathered together. And the Holy Spirit came down upon them. It says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says they began to speak in different languages. And here's what's crazy. At that time, they were, people were gathered for the Passover. So there's people from, from all nations. The city was packed full of people. It says they began to speak in different languages. And it says the people heard them speaking in their own native tongue. You're like, what's that mean? Like, imagine this. There's people from China, from Russia, from Mexico, all these different languages. And then all of a sudden, these people are speaking the praises of God, and they're hearing it in their own language. And some people, are, they're, they're in shock, like, man, this is amazing. Like, we're hearing the praises of God while others ridiculed and made fun of them. So these people are drunk. And Peter says, no, 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 no. These people aren't drunk. First of all, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. He says, they're not drunk. Here's what's happened. And then Peter begins to preach. And he tells them about Jesus. And he tells them about repentance. And then verse 41, here's what happens. Acts 2, verse 41. It said, those who believed in what Peter said were baptized and added to, to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Listen, 3,000 people gave their life to Christ that day. Listen, as a pastor, that's a good Sunday morning. Right? After that Sunday message, you're not going out to McDonald's. You're going to B-Dubs. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a great day. 3,000 people were added to the kingdom. It was just another defining moment in Peter's life. And God uses Peter to help form and develop the early church. And there's other things we could talk about in Peter's life. But there's one more defining moment I want to talk about this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team if you come. There's one more defining moment, and it was about two months ago I was reading this passage I'm about to read, and the Lord had kind of, you ever those moments where the Lord kind of just gives you one of these, like, ah, oh, and you're like, ah, yeah, that was good, God, I needed that, I needed that check a little bit. I was reading this, and here's my thought this morning, Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 says this, when Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Get that this morning. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Can I tell you, all those incredible miracles, all the things that, that Peter had lived through, all those defining moments, the greatest defining moment in Peter's life was the revelation and understanding of who Jesus is. That was the greatest defining moment in Peter's life, is understanding who Jesus is. Listen, your life will be filled with memories. Your life will be filled with defining moments, but nothing will ever be greater or have greater impact in your life than understanding who Jesus is. Listen, knowing Jesus defines and changes everything. Knowing Jesus changes everything. I have this closing thought. Would you just close your eyes this morning? Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? 
This morning I ask you that same question. Who do you say Jesus is? John 14, 6 tells us this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Listen, this morning, I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only way to heaven. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. This morning, if you're here, if you're watching online and you haven't asked Jesus into your life, you haven't asked him to take away your sin, listen, this is the defining moment for you today. This moment will change your eternity today. Today is your day. Today is your defining moment. And if you're in this room this morning, you say, you know what, I have never asked Jesus Christ in my life. And the Holy Spirit's stirring your heart. And this morning, you say, you know what, I want to make that life change. I want to give my life to Christ. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand in this place? I want to just pray with you. Anybody in this place this morning? Anyone in this place? Maybe you're watching online or you're watching this video another time. I want to just pray with you. There's no, there's, no magic, there's no magic formula. There's no magic words. The Bible says we confess with our mouth and we believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ died on the cross and he rose from the grave and we ask him to forgive our sins and he takes our sins away and he makes us new. So this morning, for anyone in this room or somebody watching this online, I want to just pray that with you. You could pray something like this. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe you died on that cross and I believe that you were resurrected. Come into my life, take away my sin, make me new that I can spend eternity with you in heaven. Amen. How many are glad that Jesus Christ came and changed our life? Amen. It's the greatest defining moment in our lives. I want to ask a couple more questions. I'm going to close this morning. I can't get past that thought. Who do you say I am? Now, many of us here this morning are good, faithful churchgoers. Like, of course, I know who Jesus is. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He's my Savior. But let me ask you this morning, for all you married people this morning, who do you say Jesus is in your marriage this morning? Is Jesus still your first love? Are you living by the example of love toward your spouse this morning? Who do you say Jesus is in your marriage? For all you this morning who have a physical need, maybe, maybe you have sickness, maybe you have a doctor's report that isn't positive, who do you say Jesus is in your body this morning? Come on, do you believe that he's the healer? Do you believe that God is still doing miracles? Do you believe that God can still do incredible things today, this morning? For all you this morning with a financial or a practical need, who do you say Jesus is this morning? Is he your provider? Maybe this morning you're dealing with addiction. Who do you say Jesus is? Is he your deliverer? Do you believe that he can set you free this morning? Who do you say Jesus is? And how you answer that will be your defining moment this morning. Who do you say Jesus is and how you answer that will be the greatest defining moment of your life. Can we pray? Lord, I pray for every marriage in this room this morning, every, every person who's watching online. I pray in our marriages, God, that you would strengthen marriages this morning. 
Lord, I pray that you strengthen the family. Lord, as we see things in this world deteriorating, Lord, I pray that you'd raise up men and women of God who put you as their first love. Lord, I pray for the marriages that are on shaky ground. Lord, I pray you restore marriages. God, what you put together, let no man separate. God, I pray we examine ourselves. Who do I say you are in my marriage? Who do you say I am as a husband? Who do you say that I am as a, as a wife? And God, in those moments, God, you define us. Lord, I pray this morning for those who have physical needs this morning. God, who do we say that we are? God, we say that you are a healer. We say that you are a miracle-working God. God, we say that you can do all things. And Lord, we believe in faith this morning. For any person who needs a touch from you, any person who has an ailment in their body, Lord, I just pray for victory. Lord, I pray for, for the miraculous that happened even to today. God, we believe it. Lord, we receive it this morning. Lord, we say you are a healer. By your stripes, we are healed today. Lord, I pray for the one in, in a financial need or a practical need. God, you are a provider. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. God, you created all things. Lord, you hold the world in your hands. And God, we believe, Lord, we trust in you. You are a provider. Thank you for this morning. Lord, I pray for the one this morning who's struggling with addictions, the one that's struggling with sin, that, God, we understand that you are our redeemer, that you set us free. That's who we say you are. Lord, we thank you this morning. We thank you that we don't have to rely on ourselves, that we don't have to rely on our world, our culture, but God, we allow you to define us. God, you said that we are your workmanship, created to do good works. God, you have great plans and destinies for every person. Lord, we are your sons and daughters, and Lord, help us to live it out. Lord, help us to live lives that define who we are through you and through your word and through the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that as we leave this morning, that we be encouraged and that today, Lord, we can look back and this is a defining moment in our lives. And each day, Lord, we have opportunities to have defining moments that not only change us, but change the people and the lives around us. God, I believe that you're drawing near. God, I believe that each day is an opportunity. Lord, I pray, help us to live lives that define who you are. Lord, that helps to change the people around us, that leads people to you. Lord, we walk in faith. Lord, we, we listen for your voice. We're not going to let the enemy define us by our failures, but God, you redefine us. And Lord, we thank you for who you are. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.